Welcome to the Back to Square Quan podcast with your host Chong and Kedrick. This is a podcast where we will have conversations about training, nutrition, and philosophy, taking you back to square one. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy. Welcome back to another episode of the Back to Square Quan podcast. Today we have the privilege of having. Uh, very uh, esteemed guest, my colleague and soon to be a uh, doctor. Doctor, yeah, Doctor Alyssa Joy Spence, and yeah, yeah, it's an honor to have you. Another, another us. doctor to be. Yeah, doctor to be. Uh, seems like we are getting a lot of that. Hopefully, someday I will probably reach that status. Right, uh, Alyssa is actually really close uh, to actually getting that doctor status. Um, I would say that a lot of it depends on how, what uh, what COVID decides to do to us. But yeah, hopefully sooner rather than later, because we yeah we want to celebrate. You know, once you are officially Doctor Lisa Joy Spence. So perhaps you know for all the listeners out there that don't really know about you, could you share with us a little bit about your background, uh, your what your PhD was on, and yeah, some of your maybe your powerlifting accolades, accolades. and achievements. Oh, so many things. Mm. Um, okay, well, background is I used to teach yoga like a lot, and I taught yoga for um, probably eight years. And towards the end of that time, I discovered powerlifting. I'd never heard of it before. So it was a brand new uh, discovery for me. What people lift weights um, and oh, wow, not only do they do this for fun, but they do it competitively. Uh, And so I'm very competitive. And so once I found it, I decided I wanted to be good at it. Um, And there was a dilemma for me because the internet is not kind to stretching. Uh, or really yoga when it comes to strength and sport. So um, I had been doing my master's, but not in a similar field in neurophysiology. So I didn't have a huge amount of background in strength or in uh, research style stretching. So when I started digging to see like, should I be doing yoga while I'm also training for powerlifting if I want to be a winner? Um, I found some really negative responses to that. (laughs) Um, So it was probably actually a YouTube video that is the reason that I am in New Zealand doing my PhD right now. Because there is this lovely YouTube video titled, Why Powerlifters shouldn't do yoga. And I was like, (laughs) what? Um, I shouldn't? Are you sure? And then I watched the video and then I did some more research. Um, And what I realized was that the video was kind of lying. So it, it, it told me I shouldn't stretch, but it wasn't supported by anything. And I then tried to find any sort of support for whether or not I should stretch and if yoga was bad and I couldn't find anything. Um, So I decided I would do some research myself to see if stretching would be beneficial um, or detrimental for powerlifters, uh, mostly just so that I would know for me. Interesting. So for what I'm hearing, and um, we had Greg Knuckles previously on the podcast as well, it seems like the trend, if you want to pursue a career in academia or be a PhD, um, going down the YouTube rabbit hole is a really good first place to start. Would you Would you agree? I mean, I definitely didn't go down a YouTube rabbit hole to, to, to tell myself to do a PhD. I had decided I wasn't going to do a PhD, but I got so mad uh-huh. that I changed my uh-huh. mind. I see. So anger was part of the reason to do it a was PhD. Truly, it was like rage. Oh, How dare you tell the world they shouldn't do yoga? You have no proof. Mm. Okay. Yeah. That's I cool. Mean, and it- whether it's YouTube or 
maybe in the future TikTok, right? Motivating, oh no, <laughs> motivating someone to do a PhD. I mean, it, it got you where you got where it got yeah, you, and exactly right now you're, you're here with us. So, for the listeners uh, out there, right, that don't know, so Alyssa and I are like we're good friends, and I kind of like refer, uh, yeah, I basically refer all my like biomechanical questions to Alyssa because that is probably the area of exercise exercise science which I am absolutely uh ignorant and not knowledgeable not knowledgeable about. And Alyssa essentially did her 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 PhD looking at like I said some form of stretching, you know, as we have heard, she basically said that her the resistance for people uh, of people doing yoga basically gave her the anger and motivation to do a PhD. <laughs> and it, that is what brought her here. And she, yeah, she has done a couple of studies. Um, maybe now, Alyssa, would you like to share with us, have your thoughts changed after doing the PhD? You know, are you still angry at the people that say don't do yoga? Or and and And, and more importantly, did you leave a comment on the YouTube video saying, I have a, I've done a thesis on this and I would disagree or agree with your whatever 20 minute video. You know, as as argumentative as I can be, I am not online argumentative. So oh, I'm gonna go. leave the YouTube video alone. Huh, there we go. The comment sections are safe. Should I ever encounter the doctor who decided to put it on the internet, maybe I'd talk to him about it, but maybe not. <laughs> Good point. Uh, what, what was the other part of that question? <laughs> yeah, so have, has, have you, like, basically you entered your PhD with certain, like, set, set of assumptions, right? Whether those assumptions are well-informed or not doesn't really matter at this point, but after doing a PhD and where you are now, and I'm not even talking about the exact findings of your study, but maybe just going more in depth, has your thought process uh, kind of like changed what you think uh, of your initial assumptions that you brought into your PhD? Maybe you can first tell us you went, what were some of the assumptions mm. you went in doing your PhD and has that uh, changed after like, I mean, you basically are technically done with your PhD. So has that changed? So I actually didn't have a lot of assumptions coming in because there was so little research to support anything. I, I honestly just saw it as a huge gap. Um, so I can't say that anything has changed. I have definitely um, developed some feels or thoughts on it um, based on the things I've read and what I've done. It doesn't seem like stretching is bad by any means, like there's definitely some possibility of benefits for some people to stretch. Um, and assuming you're not doing stretching before you're lifting, it, it doesn't seem like it could be bad for you either. So, you know, if somebody was like, can I do yoga and also power lift? I would say yes, but like, don't do your yoga class before you go to your training session or before your competition, like separate them. Hmm. Okay, cool. So go going off that, I guess my question there, I've got a question for you, which is always going to be really, really intriguing. And you kind of answered that, but potentially maybe elaborating. So obviously you mentioned stretching isn't necessarily bad for strength training. There's obviously a lot of benefits around it, but how does one go about knowing on whether they should in whether they should be doing some form of stretching or mobility like is uh, there's obviously not like a a or b like black and white it's obviously very very gray but what are some telltale signs um to for, for someone to go and say hey, you know what maybe i need to actually um do a little bit more mobility work because of insert reason uh, i think the main reason that you would want to do it is if you are unable to do a task that you want to, you know, if you cannot get to the bottom of a squat, if you can't achieve powerlifting squat depth and you're a powerlifter, 
you need to be doing some form of mobility so that that can be a comfortable position for you. Um, outside of that, it's tough to, to give an act like a real reason that people can hold on to. But if you want to stretch, I think that's also a good reason to do some stretching. <laughs> I guess those are my two main reasons. Okay. Yeah. I guess, you know, like everybody comes in with this, uh, like everybody has a certain like set of assumptions when you go in. Uh, I think for a lot of people to the general public, right. When we talk about exercises that, uh, after you exercise, you should stretch or before you exercise, you should stretch. And I think that's like ingrained a lot by, you know, just, uh, people sharing information or just telling one another when you are like maybe in high school or when in, even in primary school where cool, right? The PE teacher will take you through a bunch of stretching. Then very, you, very old school knowledge. Yeah. Like, like very archaic. Like, st- <laughs> yeah. Stretch your hamstrings, you know, uh, and then, then you go play your sports, right? So most of the time people come in with that assumption and uh, being someone who coaches a lot of people, uh, they would always ask me this question. Do I need to stretch, right? After I, I finish my training session, right? So what are your thoughts on that? Are there any benefits? Is it positive, neutral, or doesn't really matter? And what is, obviously I would expect that whatever you're saying is uh, based on some form of like scientific consensus that you have explored. So we, we will uh, basically take your word as the Bible from here on out. Basically. Um, and, and, and the reason why I say that is probably because you mentioned there is a gap and if you're the first, and if you're the quote-unquote pioneer to fill the gap, let's be honest, we'll probably take your word for it. You know, there is still, the gap is still there, despite my best efforts. Um, but uh, stretching after training, there's not a lot of bad that I could see happening. So if you have a an athlete and they say, I'm used to stretching after training. Should I keep stretching after training? I mean, the first question would be, do you have time? Can you complete your training and also do your stretching and not be super stressed out about it? You know, unless there's a specific reason that they need to stretch, they don't necessarily have to. And so you would want to prioritize their training over stretching um, but, you know, if they have time and they like it, then having them stretch after training seems like a totally reasonable idea, you know? They're, so the reason that I say it has benefits is because there is some, some research to support stretching for improving strength, some to support stretching for improving um stretch shortening cycle movements, meaning like things that start with an eccentric and then move immediately to concentric, like a squat or a counter movement jump more typically. Um, And there are some research to support stretching for improving hypertrophy or muscle size. So, you know, there's like a tiny bit of support for each of those different, um, adaptations so we don't know if it's necessarily going to happen for people specifically if they're actually quite experienced in resistance training Um, but it's possible so if they like it and they have time why not yeah fair, fair enough i also do think that now we can kind of tease out stretching the benefits of stretching in two separate categories right we can talk about stretching for strength training and also stretching for uh hypertrophy so i think we can knock it out one um one by one so in terms of stretching for uh strength training right strength training adaptation with the purpose of increasing strength um you did mention that it's only like beneficial if there's some form of stretch shortening cycle, which means out of the three p- power lifts, the squat will probably benefit the most, right? Because uh, with the bench press, you pause. So you that pause will potentially reduce the stretch shortening cycle. And uh, the deadlift, you start, that there, there, there's like no, basically almost no eccentric, you know? So uh, based on that, what obviously I would 
also think that stretching, like you said, if you can't hit squat depth, right? Stretching could help you. So I would say that, yeah, cool. Maybe stretching would benefit the squat the most. However, I would also like to think about, you know, when I think about stretching, how specific has the stretching, the stretch has to be? Because I believe, first of all, not all uh, stretches are made equal. We know people stretch for different durations, right? Different intensity, right? When I mean intensity, it's like how, uh, like whether they are holding the end range motion or how much discomfort they actually experience in that stretch. So maybe you can kind of like talk about uh, the three different, at least these are the three categories that come to mind right now. One is how specific would the stretch be? When I mean specific is that how specific it is to the actual movement. And in this case would be the squat. The second would be the intensity of the stretch. And the third is the duration of being in that stretch position. So yeah, three. This, these are the three categories. So feel free to add any categories that you think is useful, but this is the, those categories are the one that popped up to me. Right. So um, it isn't just stretch shortening cycle movements. That is one of the possible benefits, but there are also possible benefits for just strength. Um, so we've seen like an improvement in a, I think, knee extension, right? So that's not a stretch shortening cycle movement, but there was an improvement in strength. So you you do see it across those three different um, adaptations. Uh, so then for it to be beneficial, there's no consensus on what you need to do, how intense, how specific, or um, the duration. You know, I, I went through all of the research and said, what should I do with people in order for me to most likely find the improvements that I want to um, and discover that everybody's done something different and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't work. Um, with hypertrophy specifically, um, there was a meta-analysis recently and they decided that in order to see that adaptation, the stretches probably needed to be loaded or in between, um, sets basically so that there was some additional intensity added enough to create or cause that adapt adaptation. Um, but that was not something that they were like, look at all of these studies, loaded stretching is the way to go. If you want hypertrophy, it was just, well, if it's not loaded, it's probably not going to work, but we don't know if loaded stretching is going to work either, but it might. Mm. Uh, so. Okay. so that's a good thing for me, at least to hear. Um, because currently, at least as of this recording, we're sort of getting to the tail end of the year, um, particularly with New Zealand. Essentially, there isn't really a powerlifting calendar. And so I have been sort of involving myself in a lot of hypertrophy training, trying to get tiny and shredded. Unfortunately, that's the only way I can lose body weight, but that's for another podcast. Um, and I have been doing a lot of, I guess, sort of like what sort of, putting together what Kedrick and, and you mentioned, Alyssa, where I'm trying to sort of take myself to um, that stretch, I guess, more on the eccentric loading kind of towards the tail end. So an example is sort of like a stiff leg deadlift, but I would try to do it on a deficit rather than just pulling it straight from the floor. I would kind of stand on two plates and actually perform it at the end range of motion. I think what you just said there uh, does bring some confidence to my heart to to for me to kind of sit there and say, you know what, I wasn't doing it because I was dumb and I saw it on YouTube. There's actually some signs to back that up that are length, like stretching, a loaded stretching can potentially be uh, beneficial with hypertrophy. But I, I do have a question for you, and this is something that I, I do tend to find, um, I, I guess, not necessarily con conflicting uh paradigms or perspectives from different different uh coaches or whatever we want to call it these days but so we've got the infamous sort of like mark ripoto sort of like don't worry about stretching we we get under the bar you know we squat until we 
are comfortable. Um, we might add a plate on each side and squat and see if you can go deeper. And that will essentially kind of be a warm up, right? Like in theory, that's sort of like loaded stretching because we're getting on the bar. We might not be able to hit depth. We add uh, 20 kilos, 25 or 45 pounds, depending on where you're listening about this. Um, we go a little bit deeper. So that's obviously like a form of loaded stretching. Um, in contrast, we do see like, <laughs> obviously on the extreme, we see people like, oh, we need to hit depth on the squat. We know we can't hit depth on the squat. Let's just do uh, static calf stretching and, you know, like lo- loosening my, uh, sort of like my hip flexors and, and all that kind of jazz and adductors and my hammies so that I'm able to get into that as you have done it, as you have done a couple of talks in the past, like getting into that shape, right? You always talked about getting into that shape. Um, so I, I guess in, in your point of view, uh, you might have definitely read out some papers on this um getting specifically in a squat trying to hit depth do you find that in that instance is loaded stretching to try to achieve this the the shape better compared to performing static stretching or the inverse or potentially it's a combination of both that you found that was most effective um so I can't say that there's any research that I've seen that compares the two, but from experience, a warm up where you're just increasing loads isn't necessarily going to get most people into the shape that they actually want to be in. You know, once you add enough weight to your back, will you be able to hit depths? Probably. It's just will heavy. It, <laughs> yeah. But will it be, you know, with your joints in the way that you want them to be? Or will you be forced into some sort of position that actually compromises some of your joints? So if you're someone who has a real like real difficulty hitting depth in a squat, then a warm up with a barbell is probably not going to be enough. Um, I think ideally everyone should be able to hit depth without a bar or with just a bar and then keep going, you know, Mm. Um, to be sure that you're not compromising any of your joints or tissues. So um, weighted stretching could be a goblet squat where you hold it and you sink and you sink and you sink, you know, so it is static stretching. It is loaded stretching um, and it is very specific to your goals. Um, And I do think that the individual joint stretches like um, stretching into dorsiflexion, that ankle stretch, I think that is effective. I personally struggled a lot to hit depth um, for a long time, and it's still something that I'm working on, but I have noticed an improvement by doing that. Um, So if your ankle range of motion is limited, absolutely do it. Um, try and stretch it specifically. If it's, if you're not sure what it's coming from, then, you know, do try to choose stretches that are squat shaped. So it might be uh, just pressing your knee forward um, into dorsiflexion. It might be a low lunge where you're pressing your knee forward into dorsiflexion, but trying to um, make your stretch look as much like your squat as possible so that you know that you're actually helping yourself and eventually will and will be more likely to transfer over. So now I think we can kind of like go into the notion between, you know, people always use the term mobility and flexibility, right? In your opinion, what would be the differences between mobility and flexibility and which one is more important for someone uh, engaging in strength sports? So flexibility is is passive and mobility is active. My main issue with these is that it's they can't be separated because flexibility should be your primary 
um, part and then it should branch into something active and something passive, but we don't have that. We just have the word flexibility, which is used oftentimes for both mobility um, and flexibility or passive flexibility. Uh, so anyways, that's the difference between them. And I think, you know, the goal of powerlifting is to be able to use the range that you've achieved. So mobility is what you're looking for, but just because mobility is what you're looking for, doesn't mean that passive stretching, um, or flexibility has no purpose. You know, sometimes you need to have the range before you can strengthen it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 100%. I think it's also very interesting because I asked this question uh, sort of like uh, I wanted it to be something we can dovetail into one of your first uh, studies that you've done, right? So maybe like this, um, maybe you can share with us like the study that you essentially measured uh, male powerlifters, right? I mean, that I don't really know whether it's the first study, but the one that popped into my mind is also because I was a participant in it and occasionally I just helped you uh, with some stuff. The one where you measured specific range of motion in and you compare like powerlifters versus like non-powerlifters. Maybe give us a, a brief rundown on what the study design was and what were some of your findings. Sure. So I did a cross-sectional study um, looking at two different groups. I had powerlifters and I had very strong non-powerlifters. Um, so I took both of those groups and I tested their active range of motion. So you would call it mobility. Um, and then I compared the range of motion between the two groups to see if there were differences. Um, and then I also did some stats to see if the range of motion was related or could be used to predict strength levels. Um, and it was really interesting. Um, I think a hu- like one of the main interesting parts for me is that I did this with men and I did it with women and I had completely different results um, for men and women where uh, female powerlifters and female non-powerlifters had very similar range of motion and no ranges could be used to predict strength. Um, whereas in contrast, male powerlifters had less range of motion about several joints um, in several different movements. <laughs> and some of those could be used to predict strength. So mm. uh, there is quite possibly a sex difference there. There are some alternative possibilities, but it does seem like there is a sex difference. Mm. Huh. That's that's pretty interesting, and I guess it, it it potentially, and this is completely anecdotal observations here. It does kind of make sense, like generally speaking, most females, uh, whether they are involved very very specifically specifically with powerlifting or just general fit fitness females in general, or just females in general, are generally more mobile. I guess I'll use the word. Not necessarily mobility here, but um, just they're generally more mobile compared to most male counterparts. I would, I would probably, say, I don't know. That's just like an observation. Was that something in in the study that you kind of observed? Like females tend to have, I guess, more range and more mobility, or so. Was that- interestingly, for me, I did find that females did have um, greater range of motion than males. However, looking at um, some bigger, purely range of motion studies, um, there's not necessarily actually a a sex difference in the general population. Um, So I looked at a few of those and, and the more recent ones seem to support the idea that it, it more so depends on what you're doing rather than your sex. Mm. Uh, it's, it's interesting because now you, what uh, a thought that came to my mind would then be something we probably have to define, which I think you will be able to do so, uh, which is stiffness, you know? So uh, 
<laughs> I mean, I I probably won't be able to. to What to define is it. stiffness? Yeah, because when we look, so I think the first thing I would ask you before I continue my uh, other thoughts would be when you said that certain range of uh, motion uh, actually predicts strength in men. Would you? Is it? Um, oh, sorry. Uh, were the men with more range of motion? Uh, tend to be stronger, or were the men with less range of motion? They tend to be stronger in terms of prediction. That is a good question. Um, and it was it was the men with less range, right? Were so, okay. stronger. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, so, that, okay. That is what I assume because yeah. then it may, which leads me to the question of stiffness and how. First, obviously, you need to define stiffness as best as you can. And how much do you think how stiff should actually, one be? <laughs> yeah, plays a role and. Whether that stiffness is simply an adaptation from training that probably lead to them being stronger. So, for example, if you need, if you have to be like this strong, you need at least certain level of stiffness. And obviously, training across time, uh, part of that training adaptation besides absolute strength and hypertrophy would be that stiff stiffness. So that is the hypothesis I have in my head, and I am completely open to. Being absolutely wrong, I'm not sure what you're gonna say. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> take it away. Oh no! Oh no! Uh, I have to adjust my training after this. So interestingly, um, I had a lot of trouble with stiffness, uh, which you know. Yes. So <laughs> what uh, makes that was a trick question, huh? Yeah. It was. <laughs> um, so hey. stiffness is, you know, the how difficult it is to change something in length, basically. Um, so how much force you need to cause a change in length, which is probably hard to understand, but it doesn't really matter because stiffness is super hard to measure. If you think about stiffness, then you can measure it you know, at very, um, very invasively in like single muscle fibers or um, and then you can measure it, you know, at a single joint or more globally in multiple joints. But each of those different measures of stiffness tells you something different and so like the best way that people think to measure stiffness in a sporting situation is as close to that sporting situation as possible but i haven't found a way to measure it for powerlifters so the ultimately i have no idea no idea how relevant stiffness is to powerlifting could quite possibly very relevant Um, it was supposed to be a huge part of my PhD. That being said, I was on team more compliance, better powerlifting, uh, rather than what you just said, more stiff, better powerlifting. So uh, mm. we don't know. <laughs> uh, the yo oh. the yo the yogi in you is coming out. It's like I want yeah. to be less stiff. But I, I kind of want to be strong. And there's I, like one study. So my PhD is 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 um based very much off of a single study that was done in powerlifters, um, where they took male powerlifters, they had them stretch for eight weeks, they were stretching twice a week, they were doing a series of stretches that um stretched the prime movers of your bench press. So they had um, mostly pec and anterior delt stretching. Uh, and at the end of those eight weeks, the powerlifters who were doing stretching had a better bench press. So there was a significant improvement in a touch and go bench press. And they had another group who didn't do any stretching and they did not have a significant improvement in their bench press. Mm -hmm. So they used a certain method to measure stiffness and they said, and they saw a decrease in compliance. And so they said, you know, because we got this improvement in force production and because of this decrease in stiffness, we think a more compliant um, musculotendinous unit 
would be better. Mm. So I was like, okay, here we go. I'm going to do that too. Um, unfortunately, the way they chose to do it has since um, had some, some researchers have suggested that there are better ways to go about it and it made it like nearly impossible. So uh, that's why I didn't end up testing stiffness in that way. But regardless, what they found um, still is very possibly true. I just couldn't replicate it. Hmm. Yeah, very interesting. I mean, obviously I'm highly biased because as someone that has been in the study, I am probably really stiff in certain uh, certain positions. So obviously I want to be, yes, Tim stiff. At least I have a reason to be stiff if it actually is like contributing to my strength. But man, if I actually need to be uh, more compliant, I'll be like, oh no, I'm going to have to do more things that I don't like, you know? Uh, so <laughs> that's, we, we definitely have our, our biases uh, affecting us here. But it's actually really interesting because... I also like wonder whether for people who are strong, strong, obviously they would be lifting uh, a lot of weight. Perhaps it's just that, yeah, maybe perhaps, right. Stretching isn't enough to negate whatever tightness that they would get from lifting X amount of weight. So it's not actually something that is like, uh, that isn't, it's not definitely not causation, but even the correlation could be potentially, not there because it's like cool you stretch but it doesn't really affect things so regardless of how much you stretch when you're strong right you're still going to be stiff but if someone who is less strong perhaps because the overall load they are lifting doesn't really make them actually tight so maybe that stretching could actually facilitate an increase in range of motion simply because they are not as strong what do you think about that not entirely sure what you just said but um, so I think we need to drop stiffness. Okay. You know, like there's no way for you to know how stiff you are. Yep. But okay. you can know what your range of motion yep. is. Okay. So um, I, I think I'll phrase it better with the word range of motion as well. So for example, if you stretch and you expect an increase of range of motion, right? Uh, that you, so we say that increase or decrease of range of motion. But what you have mentioned just now is that people who with less range of motion tend to be more predictive of strength. I'm so my like alternate hypothesis is saying that perhaps the people who are already strong because they're already lifting a lot of weight, no matter how much you stretch, it's not going to affect that, that range of motion at all. So they're just going to have less range of motion, but for people who are less strong, when they lift less weight, then the stretching would actually affect uh, their range of motion uh, and you see that they actually have more range of motion because they are so-called less strong. I don't want to use the term weak. What do you think? Right. Um, so I guess to, to bring us back to the study I was just talking about, um, the, the men in that study did have a significant improvement in range of motion at the end as well. So that was one of their outcomes along mm. with an improvement in strength. Um, as for the ranges that are predictive, they were very specific. It wasn't just you, if you're less flexible, you're stronger. They were very specific to powerlifting movements. Um, so knee uh, or hip flexion, which is basically the bottom of a squat. If you have less hip flexion, um, you could be stronger as well as I'm going to say shoulder extension, but it might've been horizontal abduction, but I think it was extension. So again, um, it's the, the bottom of a bench press. So um, I think that it's really important to have sufficient flexibility so that, again, you can reach those bottom positions and be successful in your lifts. You do have to achieve a certain amount of depth um, in your powerlifting. And then outside of that, even if you are very strong, you can still improve range of motion, you know, and and it might it could be beneficial um, if there were specific reasons that you wanted to. Uh, but you could also use stretching purely as a way to maintain what range of motion you have. 
Mm. And, yeah. I, and I think potentially just to kind of uh, dig into what you just talked about, and this is very, very specifically the bottom of a squat, we can obviously talk about pausing your bench or actually getting the bar to touch your chest, whatever it might be. Um, I think from, from what I'm gathering there, as you kind of talked about uh, increasing a range of motion and, and it does also potentially help me not necessarily phrase a question, but I guess it's just to confirm my biases there, which is where, so if an individual has, is, isn't, if an individual misses their squat at, at, at the bottom it's at the bottom, right? They hit the bottom, they come up and they just can't even get like three inches out and they just like, they just fail. Um, and in that instance, if let's say the judges say, you know, yep, you hit depth, you just weren't strong enough. That's the reality. Um, in, in that instance, then would it be beneficial, I guess, for that individual to, because you, you kind of mentioned like, if they had slightly shorter ranges of motion, um, they are, they tend to be stronger, like with, with the, with hip flexion, flexion, did you say? Yes. Yeah. So in that, in that's very, very specific case, would it then be beneficial for the individual to say, cool, I'm going to use stretching just to make sure that I'm not losing my range so that I am able to hit depth, but I'm going to make sure that in my training, I'm going to train very specifically in that range. Cause you know, I'm quite weak and hopefully with enough stretching, um, I'm not just going to be as Kedrick says, get more stiff and have, have less range of motion, but I get stronger, but kind of using stretching as like a bandaid. I guess to kind of mitigate that effect. Would well, that... if they can achieve depth already, then you know, do they would stretching be beneficial? If you know, not necessarily if someone failed at the bottom of a squat and it was strength related, you know, mm. then then using stretching to improve hip flexion doesn't make a lot of sense yeah. you know oh, um i mean all right i probably have like sort of jumbled up there but it's okay so yeah going off that but so let's say if they start to train at they train specifically at the bottom of the squat things like pause squats or like awkwardly place pins and like dead dead squats onto a pin without actually coming up to train like very very specific ranges and over time um the individual might potentially develop uh, a case of like less range of motion so the would- only re- way that they would pro- like potentially be able to do that would be if you started training them to squat high right mm-hmm. if you Fair do point. a pause squat you're probably going to hit depth and they're going to hold it and then you're going to come up so if you're if you're training that way it shouldn't you shouldn't be able to lose what range you need Mm. that's good to know yeah so it it yeah it definitely is something that uh a lot of people often have certain like misconceptions i guess because you did mention that once you like even strength training does preserve your like your flexibility within that range i think there was a study that recently came out i mean recently might be two months ago because COVID, you know, I can't actually remember when recent is, but they basically said that, yeah, strength training is as good as stretching when it comes to like certain range of motion tests. Did you stumble across that study? Because it was all all on the interweb. So maybe you can share with us your thoughts on that because I sort of like, when you said that, cool, when you strength train, you can maintain that range, that study just like popped into my head. So I wanted to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah. So um, I definitely encountered it and my memory is that it doesn't really divide groups at all so it's just like general population stretching and strength training right. do the same thing um which doesn't really apply to yeah in, in the context trained of, yeah. athletes um and what is super important is you have to be moving through a range in order to keep it. So 
if you're a powerlifter and if you have, you know, an arched bench press, um, and let's say you have a shoulder injury and you're doing a bunch of board pressing or pin pressing or something like that, or there's some reason that you're not actually hitting the bottom position or you're squatting, you know, and you're hitting a bottom position, but it's not actually, you know, the right shape, the one that you want, the one that is healthy for all of your joints and whatever. Um, Like those types of training aren't necessarily going to improve range of motion. They may actually, you may lose range because you're never getting to the full capacity of your joints. Mm-hmm. did i just make sense yeah well it, it, it made sense to me okay <laughs> it, it definitely does make sense i think like a lot of people tend to be very i guess kind of writing off what you said they're using those examples of things like uh huge arch now i got a shoulder injury uh i can't get the bar down to my chest for x reason hence now i'm going to use pin press and board press to kind of emulate the yeah, at least sort of like the the action of a press. I think a lot of people tend to be quite afraid of like, especially if you are, especially, and this is going to sound very, very bad, but in the context of powerlifting, this is not, especially if you're someone who uses your arch to a very, very huge advantage and you, you, you come across shoulder injury, all of a sudden you're out for, you know, like let's say 12 weeks of actually touching your chest and all you can do is board and pin uh, press and then coming out of the 12 weeks all of a sudden you might potentially start to feel like actually my arch isn't as quote-unquote big as it used to be um, and I guess that could potentially be one of those cases where I think do you ha- I guess my question there leading up to what I just said would is there I guess a way to kind of regain back um that that because obviously they in that context they've been training specifically like a board or a pin for like 12 weeks and all of a sudden now okay cool coach says bring it down to chest doesn't hurt my shoulder anymore my arch isn't that big can i go back to what it used to be um can you improve your arch or yeah like can you improve your range of motion um both uh so yeah you can improve an arch it is range of motion is just through your spine. So um, just like you can improve shoulder range of motion if you've lost it. Uh, I think it would take, I think it would be difficult, you know, to lose enough range of motion to not be able to touch a barbell to your chest in a bench press um, unless you started that way. Like, I think it would take quite a bit of time and quite a bit of immobility, like stopping moving (laughs) in order to get to a point where you would need to retrain it. Um, But if you were to lose that mobility, you can absolutely gain it back. Mm. And and I I have a follow-up question. I think this is potentially something not, it kind of might be tied to your research, but I think it's more personal to you, if anything. So for those who don't know, you injured your back, I believe it was like a year and a half ago now. Yes, I it was. think. Yeah. <laughs> and um, of course, if you're going through like a back injury like that, we can kind of, you know, like how, how did you manage to apply some of the stuff from your research to help you get to where you are now? Because obviously we, you know, you, we while you were training pre-lockdown, all these things, it seemed like your training has been progressively getting not necessarily just better, but you were able to achieve more of the shape, quote unquote, pre-injury. So did you actually take on board some of the things that you have picked up from your research and maybe sort of like apply it to your situation or modify it? Because we know humans are all different, you know, num- statistics are statistics, everyone's still individual (laughs) um i did start doing more stretching so it's interesting for me i did 
a decent amount of yoga, obviously, before I came to New Zealand because I was teaching classes um, and attending classes. And then I came to New Zealand and I stopped all yoga um, and I eventually stopped stretching almost entirely. I thought so, uh, it's so it's so ironic that you're doing like a stretch PhD and then you start stretching. <laughs> I wasn't sure if it had any value. So I was like, well, if it doesn't have Fair value, enough. then why am I doing this now? I don't need to. I'm not teaching. Um, and then I I hurt myself mm. and I then started stretching again. So um obviously I don't think that stopping stretching caused me to have a back injury, but it's just the way that it happened. Um yep. And so something that the lockdowns have provided me with is time to actually do some stretching and work on my mobility and my, my powerlifting shapes. So I can actually hit squat depth now in flats. Nice. Ooh. I know. In flats. Nice. In, in flats. flats as well. Wow. In flats. Uh, for, for those who don't know, like basically to summarize, heels makes it easier to hit depth. But if you can do it in flats comfortably, that's a... Uh, Big achievement. Yeah. <laughs> and I won't say that it's super comfortable and it still requires a decently wider stance. And I actually want to use one squatting. So I'm still going to squat in heels. Um, but the fact that I have that now, I think is really exciting. So my arch and my squat shape are coming along nicely. <laughs> mm, nice. That's awesome. that's that's very, very good to hear. And yeah, I guess a little bit we we've basically talk about stretching a lot for strength uh i just have a what like one question in terms of stretching for hypertrophy um i'm not sure whether, whether there's actual any studies uh that actually look at stretching for hypertrophy in humans correct me if i'm wrong because i know a lot of them are done in like animals there right are. there are okay. yeah okay so my question then is because is something now, I have all these like wild thoughts, right? When it comes to exercise science is that there was a recent study that actually showed that training at longer muscle length actually has more hypertrophy benefits. And we know when we stretch a muscle, it's at the longer, it's like in a long muscle length, right? Because technically that is kind of like the definition of stretching-ish. Uh, so how much do you think that like, that intersects, right? Because if, yeah, how much do you think like stretching at that, that, ability to hypertrophy muscle is primarily due to the function of being at a lengthened muscle or just creating like tension right and obviously you did say that i would assume that stretching with hyper for hypertrophy you probably need like weights as well which means that you need like additional tension more than what your body can generate right which it's some way uh like, yeah like it's like some form of like steel resistance training versus like resistance stretching, you know? So what, what, what are your thoughts on the relationship between the muscle, actual muscle length? And if there's a possibility to progressively overload the stretch, let's just say right now I'm stretching with five kilos, right? And then I gain some hypertrophy. I'm not sure whether it's, it's even detectable or measurable, but the next time I do with like seven and 10, we, I still gain uh, hypertrophy. I'm not sure whether there's a study on that, but, what what are your predictions and what do you think based on the current literature that's out there? Ooh, there's it's you know, the the research in this area is really not um conclusive. So I do think it's possible that the addition of loaded stretching could um elicit some hypertrophy. Do I think that more weight equals more hypertrophy? No, but I don't ah, know. Yes, that's 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 basically what I would like to hear. So I don't <laughs> have I don't have to go heavy to gain to gain mass, which uh which is always good because I hate feeling like shit after a training session. <laughs> but like we really don't know is is mm. I think a really important thing to say um there even you know the interset stretching some interset stretching has shown um 
greater improvements in hypertrophy versus a traditional rest period, but others have not, others have shown no difference, you know? So it's really, really hard to, to have an opinion about something when there's so little evidence. (laughs) I guess that's potentially incentive for you to uh, pursue more. Oh, I don't care about hypertrophy. <laughs> more stretching, I mean, only- more, more, more stretching. Maybe not in the hypertrophy realm, but uh, being one of the, uh, I guess, as you quote unquote, as 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 I would quote you, filling in more of the gaps there. I mean, I still do really want to know if stretching could be beneficial to powerlifters. Um, my training study ended up being a series of case studies, so that was disappointing for me, but. Um, I definitely still want to know because mm. I don't. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I'm sure, I'm sure the world basically is going to wait for that uh, potentially next publication after your thesis. If you, if academia is something you want to pursue. <laughs> well, I'll be in academia forever. I'm that sure. is true. That is true. I think every, every, everyone who has a doctor to their name will somehow be involved in academia. I mean, if you don't want to, you can say uh, that's a little bit of a stretch, you know? Ah, yes, obviously. A bit You've been of a waiting stretch. this whole time. To <laughs> exactly. I, I prepared this joke. This, like, phrase, it's like, like, you're like, it's, yes. like, it's like one week. Stretching. Yeah. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, I'll add, I'll add another one there to kind of take it, uh, get us back to home stretch. <laughs> Um, on the podcast, we tend to like to ask our guests um, this question and just sort of taking it back to square one, hence the title of the podcast. What is going to be the one thing you will suggest specifically for powerlifters um, in order for them to be better at the sport? More specifically with stretching or in mobility work, do they, um, yeah, how would they incorporate that into their training? Uh, when, um, yeah. Um, so I think a big takeaway from everything I've learned uh, for me was don't tell people not to stretch. YouTube video doctor, please. You know, um, I think that powerlifters are pretty in touch with their bodies like you have to know when you take videos and you watch oh am I hitting depth what does my body look like at the bottom position am I doing everything I want to do and people will feel tight you know like oh I'm stiff I'm tight I'm not comfortable in the bottom position and if people are saying any of those things then I think it's really important that they feel comfortable stretching and that they're not afraid of it because Mm -hmm. people can be you know there's the the team of people who are super anti-stretching now like don't do it it's stupid it doesn't matter you're not doing anything it's a waste you know like you see all of that it's a waste of time but it's not necessarily, you know? So if you feel like you need to stretch, do it. But if you can stretch after your workout or completely independent of it, you know, the only reason that you should be stretching, particularly static stretching before your training is if you need it immediately in order to hit the shapes that you need. But otherwise, if this is like, oh, I can achieve depth and I can achieve depth comfortably. But if I've trained every day this week, you know, and I'm a bit tighter than blah, blah, blah. But basically, if you can stretch Blah blah blah, very, blah blah is a very good phrase for someone who's about to be a doctor but yeah go on <laughs> if you can get away with your stretching after training or independent of training do it if you need to stretch yeah. before stretch before but stretch in really short durations yeah. um and yeah only the things that you actually need to be stretching if you're spending an hour before your training session stretching your you're going to be tired, you know, yeah. stretching. Um, it's basically doing yoga before a session. Yeah, it takes, it takes a lot of effort. So you've lost that now. You've only mm. had so much. Mm. True. Well, I think uh, that was a very, very good episode. 
thank you, Alyssa, for coming on. Oh, thanks um, for having me. Yeah. So where can people find you to learn more about stretching or do you currently offer any coaching services or potentially help to anyone? Uh, fire away. Where can people find you and get in touch? Um, I do have Instagram, so people can find me on Instagram. I do not post educational content for the most part, but I would totally respond to questions if people had them. Um, I'm powerlifting coaching. I'm, I've just joined the strength athlete team. Junior coach. Junior coach, which is very exciting. Um, Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, that will be all for us today. Um, If you did like the episode, give it a thumbs up, review, share, um, subscribe, or just let people know on any platforms of choice, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, for the one or two viewers who actually watch the videos. And we will catch you in the next episode.